Awesome. Yeehaw, yeehaw. Thank you so much, worship team. That was amazing. Um, thank you so much, Sarah. Um, it's so good in church when notices start making you cry. <laughs> How many know, like, if the devil can get your worship, he's got you. And so much of the distractions and the temptations and the tests, the problems that come our way, if it can get you out of worshipping, it's got you. But how many know we are called to just stay a worshipping people? And every time a trial comes our way, persecution comes our way, problems come our way, and we say, oh, I see that problem, but you know what? That's not going to take my worship from me. I will continue to worship you. How many know we just throw it in the face of the devil? And I just love this whole thing of prophetic dance and uh, what God is wanting to do through that because He ain't stealing the worship from the people of Bethel Church, New Zealand. We will always be a worshipping community. Come on, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. So it's so good to be here. Um, in church with you this morning. You're looking awesome. Look at you guys. Where is Sarah? I'm just wondering if like, you can show up to the dance workshop in stubbies and gumboots because Dan's asking that question. <laughs> I can just see you there. And, uh... But I'm not going to get an answer to that because I don't see her. So. Totally you can. Come as you are, right? Come as you are. Well, you're looking good today. Holy Spirit is with us. God was in the worship responding to His children. Uh, I sensed the presence of the Lord. Uh, we magnified Him. We drew our hearts to Him. And He cannot resist Himself. He responded. He responded with His presence. Uh, freedom, breakthrough, the sense of presence in the atmosphere of God in our midst. He, he, he is indeed with us. Looking across this room, and I'm seeing a people that have got the favor of the Lord, the kiss of heaven, the anointing of God, the something uh, magnificent about a, a human face that beholds the face of the Lord. There's something so beautiful about that and attractive, and we are an attractive people called to make a massive difference. I want to. Um, I want to continue on a, a series that Matt began last Sunday. Um, we, we have small amounts of time to share on massive topics. And so I'm asking for your grace because we're never going to be able to cover every point and uh, every, every cover every base. So I do ask for your grace this morning. We just want to release truth. But how many know... Um, First and foremost, I want to let you know that truth is a person. What did Jesus say? He said, I am the way, not our way. I am not our truth of God amongst many other truths. He said, I am the truth. My point is that truth is a person. And this person happened to be such a person so uh, concerned or so filled with a heart longing for a relationship 
that truth is relational. That truth, the person of truth laid down his life, gave his life for the sake of giving us access into relationship. What that means is any truth that is divorced from relationship is not the Christian truth. Because the Christian truth is a relational truth because the Christian truth is a person who is so deeply longing for relationship with you and I in this room. The truth that is divorced of relationship, that would be a cold truth, a factual truth. That was the kind of truth that the Pharisees dealt in or brokered in. That was the kind of truth that they received their status from, a truth devoid or with the relationship component of truth taken away from it is not the Christian truth. And that truth was at warfare against the truth, the real truth, the person of Christ who is truth. And I wanna um, talk about that truth this morning, a truth that is attached to relationship. I've been seeking the Lord on Father, I want to I want to I want to share with our church something that would serve our church, serve our people. And I want to not just address the th- a thing, I want to address the things behind things. I want to hey Andre. I heard, can I have a look at your Can I have a look at your hand? What on earth is on your finger? Oh my word. The, guys, when did you guys get, what happened here? Friday night, she's got a ring on her finger. You, you've been busy. Guys, Andre and Kate are engaged. Come on, let's celebrate that. Celebrate. Yes, 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 yes. That is so cool. Jesus never left. Jesus never left the ways of truth in his stand for truth. There is a temptation to leave the ways of truth as we stand for what is true. But Jesus never compromised on the ways of truth to stand for truth. Later on in this uh, sermon this morning, I'm gonna be sharing out of the book of Galatians chapter six and verse one around truth. And in that passage of Scripture, it talks about a spirit of gentleness. And my heart this morning is in a spirit of gentleness. Just release to us a the some truth into our world that adds value and strength into our lives. So I'm praying that today would be permeated with um, a spirit of gentleness today. So um, here we go. In the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, oh my goodness, it says something like this, depending on your translation. My one says, and he is, verse 3 of Hebrews 1, The radiance, speaking of Jesus, Jesus Christ is the radiance of God's glory. He is, then it says this, the exact representation of His image. That means that Jesus is the visible 
expression of the invisible God. How many know Jesus is what God looks like? Jesus is what God looks like. Say Jesus, no, uh, say what, say what. So Jesus is the what of God, what He's like. In John chapter 14 and verse 6, I've already mentioned this verse. How many know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? Nobody comes to the Father except through Him. He said earlier on in John 10 that anyone that tries to come to the Father except through Jesus as the door, that person is a thief and a, and a robber. But Jesus is the way to the Father. Jesus is the way. Now ways speak to how. Jesus is what? Jesus is how. Jesus is what God is like. Jesus is how God is. And I want to talk about the what and I want to talk about the hows because each each of us in this room are tested on our what from heaven and we're also tested on how we go about doing that. And depending on the season we're in, we're tested on our what, your calling. What's your vision? What is your view of God? How do you see what God is? And how do you see your destiny and your vision? What are you called to? You'll be tested on that. But there's also times when we're tested on how. How we go about that vision. And Jesus was tested on that in Luke chapter 4. And I want to invite you to to turn to Luke chapter 4. And uh, we're going to have a few Scriptures this morning. Um, In Luke 4, turn in your Bibles to Luke 4. If you would, follow along with me. That makes sure that I'm preaching the Scriptures. Got mine written down on my iPad this morning, but I brought my Bible up, or one of my Bibles up, for comfort. <laughs> I love the scriptures. <laughs> I read them just about every day. Verse 5. This is the second temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Many of you will be familiar with this. We're going to hone in on this one temptation. And the devil, and he, the devil, led Jesus up and showed Jesus all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, I will give you all this domain, all these kingdoms and its glory, for it has been handed over to me and I will give it to, and I give it to whomever I wish. Man, he's an arrogant, prideful person, that devil. I will give you all this domain and glory. It has been handed to me and I'll give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, verse 7, if you worship before me, Jesus, it shall be yours. Verse 8, Jesus answered him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. How many know what and your destiny and what that is according to the Lord is of massive importance. How many know how you go about there is also of massive importance? How many know that in this time, Jesus was called 
to be, he was sent to the earth so that the kingdoms of this world would become the kingdom of his himself, that Jesus Christ would be Lord over every single nation and over every single sphere of influence. And that He would, that both Jesus as Lord and the Father as the Lord of the kingdom, together their kingdom would would become the kingdoms of this world. And right now, at the very start of His ministry, what He is purposed for and sent for, to bring His Lordship into the nations. He has offered it right at the very start. All He has to do, He can have His what. All He has to do is compromise on His how. And He can get what He's called to do. And very often to each of us in this room, we find ourselves burning with a what? from God, but pretty quickly on, early on in the piece, we are presented with, here's a compromise for how you can get there. But how many know in this moment for Jesus, the end, the accomplishment of the end goal did not justify the means. I've heard it said, do anything that you can for the call of God upon your life. No, no. Do not do anything that you can for the call of God on your life. How many know the Scriptures say, seek first His kingdom. Come on, help me out here. And His, the kingdom is the what? But His righteousness includes the the right ways of God. Seek first the kingdom, seek first the what, but also go after the how with massive integrity, righteous ways, righteousness in your heart. Don't compromise on righteousness because you compromise on the what by compromising on the how. And for us, let me tell you, I'm going to, like you, none of us in this room will have not been tested on our what. Did God really call you James? to worship lead and lead hundreds of people, thousands of people into the very presence of the Lord? How many times have you been tested on that? Did God really call you, Elise, to preach the Gospel in demonstration and signs and wonders in the nations? Did He really call you? How many, how many times have you been tested on that? Has God ever, have, no, no, not God. Have you ever been tested on that the cause and the purpose of redeeming culture and redeeming multiculture might not be maybe, maybe that's not something that you're really called to, Angela. Maybe you should just let go of that. Maybe when some disappointment comes, maybe hard time, a good person just leaves the group. A good person just leaves the church. Maybe I wasn't really called. How many know there is not a minister of the gospel alive today in ministry that is making a difference that has not had their calling tested. It must be tested. And when that test comes, we hear the voice of doubt. We hear the voice of the test. Will you, you know, remember that voice in the garden? Did God really say? Who's ever heard that? 
Did that prophet really know what he was talking about from heaven? Or maybe he was just making it up. Did God really say? But how many know when you turn your ear against that and you say, no, I will choose the Lord. I will pass this test. How many know when something of the vision of the Lord is tested and you have passed through it, there's something of a strengthening and a resolve that takes place upon your life. I have been tested many times leading this church. What am I really called? To make a difference? Am I really called to serve people so that they can rise up to make a difference in our generation so that we leave a legacy of the kingdom behind us? And every time I get a test and every time I turn my ear to that, there's something of a resolve that comes upon me and a strengthening in my spirit when I say, we are moving forward after this. And if that tried to stop me and it was unable to stop me, then the next thing that tries to come and tries to stop me will also be unable to stop me and we are moving forward. And we're pursuing the dream that God has given us and we will make a difference. Is there really such a thing as a Cody church? Is there really such a thing as an authentic New Zealand church with both Pākehā, Tangata Whenua and other ethnicities rising in Kotahitanga and unity together and celebration together and exploding out across this nation, being a forerunning model of what it is to be an authentic New Zealand church. Is there really an authentic church? Or maybe we just need to be a copy of Australia because that's working. Is it really a season of the harvest of souls? Did God really call us to believe for a harvest right now in this season? Or maybe not. When you're tested, when you do that altar call, no one gives their heart that service. When you go on that outreach and no one says yes to Christ, will you believe that? Or will you believe the Word of the Lord? and march forward and resolve. And this is us. This is who we are. We are a worshipping church that will not give up on the call of the Lord over our lives. Each of us will be tested in our what? Each of us have been tested in our what? And you're still standing. Anna Brown. I'm sure if anyone's... Yeah, there... Each of you have been tested and you're still standing. Liz, I really honour you for passing these tests and cementing resolve in your spirit. And often on our way to our what, we are tested with our how. Hmm. I don't like, I, lo- I love teaching, but I also don't like being held to my notes. And then I, I, rip, rip, I go through my notes and I realise, oh my goodness, I've, I've gone a lot further than I thought I had. It takes me a little while to get to us. 
I'm going, sorry, my, my iPad's playing up on me. I uh, lent my iPad to my children. Bless their hearts. I had an opportunity to be tested on my how, the ways of the Lord as a parent. I just walked away. I just walked away. I saw it on the concrete, dropped out of the car. And I was like, I turned it up, saw it was broken, just picked it up, walked away. And my poor daughter was just crying. But I was like, I'm not going to say anything right now because that is the third iPad my children have destroyed. Bless their beautiful hearts. I love them so much. Gosh, they're wonderful. They're testing us to the core. I'm talking about testing. Woo! Yeah. Imagine how God feels. And as we pursue our what, we'll be tested in our how. Each of us will be tested in our how. Hey, maybe I can just help God a little bit in my ministry. Maybe I need to pull down that other ministry to promote my own. That's being tested in your how. Maybe I need to sidle up to that millionaire who's got money that will help finance my ministry and not ask for money, but ask for money in a way and compromise my integrity of my heart. We are tested in these areas massively. And I want to talk about the, the how today of how we are tested. It's leading me into, um, I want to talk about um, us as we're, how many know we're in, we're not Catholic, right? We are Protestants. Love Catholics. I do. Love Catholics. We are Protestants. How many know um, in the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, Martin Luther, he, he nailed those theses onto the, the church doors, sparked a massive movement. Uh, Luther, Calvin, uh, all these 500 years ago, we celebrated the 500th anniversary of the Protestant movement. And I don't want to make any negative or positive judgment calls on that. I just want to make a simple observation. We started to divide over doctrines. And now in the Protestant movement, there are over 40,000 denominations. In the Catholic movement, I'm sure that they have their own sort of denominations and stuff, but really there's only just one. It's the Catholic denomination, Catholic. They have one, we have 40,000. <laughs> but our origin of this flow of this river that we're in, in the Protestant from 500 years ago, was that we divided over doctrines. And so we have a weakness around dividing over what we can agree with and what we don't agree with. We have a natural propensity, just like our forefathers of this movement, to divide around doctrines and agreement. But how many know Jesus said, never said this, the whole world will know that you're my disciples by your agreement with one another. <laughs> He never said that. The whole world will know that you are my disciples by your, can someone help me out here? Love for one another. Think about the five faults. And I'm just going to use very broad, general brushstrokes here. But the prophet, 
He says, and you've got to wonder why, it's pretty clear in Scripture about a functioning five-fold ministry leadership team. By all means, we should have hundreds of functioning five-fold teams in our nation. However, we have a weakness as Protestants. It's called, if you disagree with me, I'm going to divide over that. It's how I, have, I love and honour denominations. Denominations have so much strength and have added so much value into the planet. The problem is when it becomes denominationalism, when it becomes an idol, when it becomes an ism, and it becomes something that we hold on to closer to our heart than the Lordship of Christ and the presence of the Father. All right? So imagine like, so we, we don't have functioning fivefold ministries. Part of it will be we divide around what we disagree on. And I'm going to propose to you that that's violating something of the ways of the Lord. Because the prophet gets up and he says, we need to hear and strictly obey. I'm speaking in generalizations here, right? We need to hear and obey the voice of the Lord and seek His presence in the supernatural. And then over here, the pastor says, well, no, it's about the people. Hetangata, hetangata, hetangata. We need to bring the people along with us. Yeah, we'll obey, but let's obey real slowly <laughs> at the pace of the people. And then, and then uh, what else is there? There's prophet. Then, oh, well, we'll save the evangelist to last. And then the teacher says, oh, guys, he's over here. It's like, our people perish for lack of knowledge. And that's Bible knowledge. We need to teach our people to read the Word of God. If they had the Word of God in them, they'd be fine. And then the apostle goes, hang on a second. No, no, no. We need to take the culture of heaven and we need to bring it down to earth and we need to see cities transformed to the culture of heaven. We need transformation in cities. And then the evangelist says, no, you're all totally wrong. And you're, and not only are you wrong, you're wasting my time. <laughs> and you're wasting your time. We need to get souls saved. We need to get souls saved. What are you talking about with all this stuff? Get out there. Stop talking and start going. The first what is it, Matt? The first part of God is go. <laughs> and then backwards is do, yeah. Can you see why if, we're, if we divide around what we disagree with, to have these unique ministries functioning in our midst, it's going to be a little bit hard for us and we have to let go of a few things. Like how many know the face of the Lord is so vastly, magnificently beautiful? And Andy, I have only but seen a little glimpse of the beauty of His face. And then I attempt on a Sunday to try and describe something of the beauty that I have just glimpsed of, the, of His face. But I have only seen a drip of the vastness of the beauty. But then someone else over here, 
There is not a Christian in this room who has the exact same view of God as you do. Because the next person sees something else of the vastness of the beauty of His face and they just see a little snippet. And I'm over here saying, God is like this. And they're over here saying, and God is also like this. And then the next one says, oh my goodness, and I saw His beauty. And it was like this, but they're all different. And the temptation and the weakness is for me to say, you're wrong. Because I saw it and it was like that. Instead of, thank you. Because in my limited perception, I'm only able to see but a glimpse. But the way you have seen Him and shared Him with me has added to my heart and my perception the revelation of His beauty and more beauty has been added to me. And I live with a fuller picture of the Lord because of honour. Because I respected the difference. And so we have a weakness in Protestantism. Um, and um, one disclaimer, one disclaimer on this is, um, you know, and I was saying how we divide around what we uh, disagree on, but there are some things that we do need to agree on. And these are the great tenets of our faith. I'm talking about things like, Jesus Christ is the Lord. We do need to agree on that. I'm also talking about Jesus Christ died. And after three days, He resurrected again and give, gave eternal life to all that would call upon His name. There are some things that we do need to agree upon. But these are just the tenets, the great tenets of our faith rather than a highlighted doctrine that I'm going to choose to take into a corner and create a denomination around. All right. So there are, so um, how we respond is so important and it also shows us a measure, it gives us, like, it's a free test how we respond to different circumstances grants to us, you don't have to pay for it, a free test on your maturity levels, on, our, on my maturity levels. So, so your, your how and how we do things is tested. There's three ways that I'm going to talk about this morning that it's tested. I'm going to, I'm going to fly through this. The first way that your how and how you do things is tested, which gives you a free test on your maturity levels so that you can see it, not only you, but also God. And very often, others around you get to see it. <laughs> the first way is pressure. How do you respond to pressure? When the squeeze comes on you, when problem after problem comes your way, when it just doesn't seem to go right, when there's deadlines on you and pressure and responsibility upon your shoulders and you are squeezed, guess what's meant to come out when you're squeezed as a mature believer? Love, the fruit of the Spirit, joy. However, has anyone noticed that sometimes when you're under the pump and you're a little bit squeezed and the squeeze comes, sometimes it's 
maybe a bit of love, but well, for me, I'll speak on behalf of me, a little bit of, a bit of anxiety. Knocking on my door. Like for example, I'm organising a missions trip for 20 students from BSSM. It's going to be an amazing time. Four cities, 10 days. Few deadlines. Few people I'm waiting back for. If, if a city doesn't work out very well, Oh gosh, that's that's on kind of on a little a bit, a bit of squeeze going on there, and a little bit of oh, I feel a little bit anxious about that. I want to. It's a good measure of my maturity. I'm wanting just love to come out, faith, confidence to come out. Pressure is an awesome test of how for you. A second way is persecution. When persecution comes your way, how do you respond? I know Bill Johnson. I don't know how many, how much hate mail he, that man receives. But he has whole websites dedicated to his destruction. Whole ministries that are anti his ministry. And they have financial backing. Ministries that are anti-ministry. And how do you respond to persecution? I remember... Um, when I was in Redding, California. And some of you have heard this story before, but this was a defining story for me. I need to keep sharing this story. But my phone rang at one o'clock in the morning, right at the start of Bible school. Right at the, right in the very start, my phone rings at one, one o'clock in the morning. I say, hi, it's Andy. I'm a little bit afraid because fear's come into the room. You kind of get that when your phone rings at one o'clock in the morning. But there was more than just the fear that comes with a phone call at one o'clock in the morning. There was something else in the room. Hi, I'm Andy. The voice said, does it hurt? Like a demonic, dark voice. Uh, Hi, it's Andy. Does it hurt? Uh, Dinah starts praying. She wakes up too. Does it hurt? And the voice said, does it hurt when you fall from heaven? Does it hurt? when you fall from heaven and hung up. And the spirit of fear that sponsored that phone call came into the room. But I had just heard an amazing teaching by Graham Cook. He was telling us this story of persecution. Who's heard of Graham Cook before? Jill, you love that guy, right? Hey? Yes, he went to the same school. Come on, or the same place. He was, he's a prophet called to the planet. And he has the occult Satanists assigned to curse him. And they'll often, um, just to curse him, would um, get tickets on the same flight so that they could sit next to him, so that they could just spend the whole flight just cursing him. And a particular Satanist one day had sat next to Graham Cook and was beginning the process of cursing him. I curse your cat. I curse your dog. I don't know what they do. I curse your chickens. I, I don't know. And Graham said, look, excuse me. Excuse me. Can you stop for a second? And he's got out of his seat, went up to the cabin, rummaged through his bag, got out his journal, sat back down in his pen, opened up his journal and pen and said, okay, I'm ready now. Can you please continue? I want to write these down. (laughs) And he started writing down the curses. And then he said, is that the best that you've got? 
Is that the best you've got? What about, you know, like, what about my pets? I have some pets, you know, would you consider cursing them as well? Because how many know He knew within His Spirit strongly that the very words of Christ are, blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake, for great is your reward in heaven. And the more cursing that came upon his life, the more persecution, the greater blessing, the greater reward in heaven stowed up upon his life. And so I remembered that, that story that night after that phone call. And I said, blessed am I when I'm cursed for righteousness sake, for great is my reward in heaven. And the spirit of fear evaporated out of the room. The Spirit of God came into the room. I drew near in my attention of my heart to the Spirit of God. Peace came back into the room. And that night I had the most, one of the most profound prophetic dreams of my life that shaped me. I got up the next morning after that prophetic dream and I was a different person. But blessed are you when you're cursed for righteousness sake, for great is your reward in heaven. How you respond to persecution, my friends, is massive. And it's a shame or a bummer that so much of the persecution that we face, you know, I think Bethel, Bethel as a movement is, has quite a, a fair whack of persecution against it, to be honest with you. It does, I think for a few reasons. One reason would be it's wildly successful. Wildly successful. It is just gathering steam, changing the world. Thank you, Emma changing the world. It is wildly successful and perhaps there's some jealousy going on there. I don't know. Another reason is Bethel is because it's so successful, it's in the light of public. It's out in the public, which means it's open to public criticism. And boy, it's pretty critical out there. But a third reason, and this is a really good reason if you ask me, and this is, applies to us as Bethel, New Zealand. We cop a bit of persecution, a bit of... Some people say some mean things about us, man. It's like, what? Our heart is to love God, to honour God, to serve people in their love relationship with God, to maintain their integrity before the Lord, to live lives of not just purity, yes, purity, but also supernatural power. We just want the best for people. And so every now and again, when people say horrible things about us, I'm like, what's going on here, man? Like, I don't really like that stuff. I'm not one of those guys that's like wanting to, you know, have a fight around that kind of stuff. I want to fight other things. I definitely want to have a fight. But not against flesh and blood. One of the reasons that we are persecuted is because this church is beginning to enter into some territory that has not been contested for centuries in our nation. Because this church is believing that we can actually make a difference, that we can actually I'm not saying other churches haven't made a difference, for goodness sake, no way. But that the way that God has called us, we can step into uncharted territory that has been previously occupied by somebody else. 
And as we step into occupied territory that the churches haven't yet gone into, because we've been called to do it as forerunners. How many know we're poking someone in the eye called the devil? And we're saying, no, 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 no. You've had this for too long. We're coming into this area and we're going to take this ground and we're not going to let it go. And he doesn't like that. I'll give you a bit of pushback. But how many know we can push him back? Because how many know greater is he that lives in you than he that's in the world? And that Jesus Christ is supreme over the devil. Holy Spirit. So how do we respond in persecution? The third way. I'm going to have five more minutes, Emma. Five more minutes. Because we're going to go see this building, man. I'm going to see this building. I'm going to not even probably do a proper altar call. But I kind of need to make my point. <laughs> the third way on how we're tested and how we're tested in our how and how we respond and therefore get a measure on our own maturity is when controversy comes, how do we respond when controversy comes our way? And when there's, when there's something going on, when there's a thing going down, when, when there's a controversy that's happening, that's a wonderful opportunity for us as believers to respond according to the ways of the Lord. And oftentimes we don't do that. And there is a maturity of response. And Jesus is the way, but He gives us some specific ways for how to respond in some controversies. And I'm going I'm to read it in Matthew chapter 18. Come with me to Matthew 18. And how do we deal with controversy. The first thing I want to say is we give one another the benefit of the doubt. But turn in your Bible to Matthew 18 and then I need to finish. I said I was going to get to Galatians 6. I'm going to be hard pressed to get to Galatians 6. But I'm going to try. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. So Matthew 18 gives us some real clear how to respond in controversy. And I'm going to start in verse 15. Read along with me, read along with me. Like this is, uh, bring your Bibles to church. I highly recommend it. Um, by the way, this passage of Scripture, Matthew 18, we've actually put into our employment contracts as staff at Bethel. It's how important and valuable we love this and how much we want to outwork the Bible into what we're doing here. Okay, let me read this. If, Matthew 18, verse 15, if your brother sins, go and show a few of your other Christian friends to rally them to your cause against that person. (laughs) If your brother sins, go and show Others, what your best guess of your judgment for their heart motivation really is. If your brother sins, go and show the world 
And that brother, what you think about that by posting or commenting on social media? And I'm really sad to say, in many cases, you would think that that's what the Scriptures say there. From the responses of, it's like acceptable in the Western church to not honour the ways of the person who is the way and honouring the Lordship of Christ and how He's asked us to do things, but go another way, which sacrifices and compromises the what. And is truth outside of relationship. Yeah. But what does it say? If your brother sins, go and show him his fault in private. Say private. private. Just go to them. Go to them. Go directly to them in private. This is the words of Christ. I'm just allowing the Scriptures to speak this morning. The words of Christ. Just go to them in private. Go directly to that person. If he listens to you, you have won your brother, won your sister. The goal of this whole thing is that you wouldn't lose your brother or lose your sister, but that you would win with your brother, that you would win your sister, that you would gain your brother. This is the whole heart and goal of what this is all about. Whenever there's a controversy or an issue, the ways of God is go directly to that person in private. Talk with them. Talk with them for the goal of, I want to win you. I want to win a brother. I want to win a sister. And then you flip over into Galatians 6, verse 1. And you see Paul adds to this. And he says, If anyone amongst you is in a trespass or is in sin, you who are spiritual, you who are living according to the Spirit, you who are spiritually mature, go to that one and restore. The goal is restore. That one, the goal is restoration, which includes connection, understanding. Go and seek understanding. Go and seek connection. Go and seek restoration with that one. With a spirit of gentleness, with a gentle spirit of gentle strength. The goal of Jesus' heart is a truth that has relationship is a truth that seeks restoration and to win a brother, to win a sister. And it's clearly outworked for us and written down by Jesus for us. And so my heart is that we would be ones who not only pursue the vision with everything that we have, but with epic integrity and purity of heart as maturing believers, as a maturing body of believers, pursue not just the kingdom, but also His right ways as we're going about it. It is not just about the what, it is also about the how. How do we do it? How do we do this? Let's do it right. Let's do it right. I'm going to finish right now. Can you stand with me? I had a few more things and I've glossed over some things and I humbly apologise for glossing over things. But... I felt like how we do things is more important in this season than what.
And my heart was to serve you with how this morning. And so my, I'm not going to do an altar call because I want us to go to the building. But my simple request is just a fresh surrender to the ways of Christ. A, a fresh surrender to hit the Lordship of Him and that He knows the way. And he knows how to do it. And so Father, right now, join with me in prayer. Right now, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the way that Your Word cuts us. I thank You for the way that Your Word convicts us. I thank You for the way that Your Word, even when it convicts us, is so good for us. Because Jesus, You're bringing us up to to maturity together in Christ. And so Lord, a fresh surrendering to the ways of the Lord this morning in our midst, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. And thank you so very, very, very much. And by the way, after a message like that, um, I'm not going to be able to cover everything and I rushed that through. But remember, Matthew 18. If you didn't like that, here I am. Here I am. Here I am. Here I am. I love you. God bless you. You are a phenomenal uh, church. You are amazing. We are amazing. We're going to make a difference. Let's do it really well. Hey, so what we're going to do is, um, it's about a three-minute walk to the building. You're going to find, uh, as we go through the building, you're going to find that the building is imperfect, um, but it's really, really good, if you ask me. You're going to find, there's a few pillars in there that we think that we can look around.